Welcome to the Yogi MD Podcast. It's Nadine, yoga teacher, health coach, and retired doctor, here to bring you and your body together, not in sickness, but in health. Thanks for taking this time for yourself. A couple of days later, maybe I was like, I want to end this with love. Let's end this with love because I was coming from a place of rage. Let's just end this in love. And that, I think that that was where we began laying the foundation for what we built over time and that love that we built over time. I healed because of Erica. I feel like I feel like that summer, my journey in healing wouldn't have been the same if she wasn't there. Definitely. This could have been a story about vengeance, stagnation, and hate. Instead, it's about compassion, transformation, and love. Erica and Sean met under painful circumstances, and their relationship, just as a lotus flower emerges from muddy waters, blossomed into an enduring, beautiful, and loving friendship. Before we get into their story, to protect privacy, names have been replaced with the sound of a bell. And now, without further ado, here's Erica and Sean's story. I hope that you are as inspired by these remarkable women as I have been. July of 2015, I went to the Essence Jazz Festival for the first time with one of my best friends. And that's where I met him. I met him at a white party with some other folks and we had connected. And it was one of those times in my life where I was like, I'm single, I'm free, I'm meeting a whole bunch of people. So I got a lot of numbers. Like, um, I was just having a good time. I was, I was really just enjoying, enjoying being in my essence as a woman at essence. <laughs> so I had a great time that weekend, met him and we continued to stay in touch. He called me and we would, we started talking and then we made plans to see one another. And so I flew to Houston and this was in August of 2015, August or September. I think maybe it was early September. I flew to Houston, stayed with him for, say, three or four days. And then he flew back to the Bay, where I was living at the time, and stayed with me for a few days. And we were like, wow, we're really connecting. This is great. And then we made it official in, I believe, October, when he came out with his best friend and his best friend's then-girlfriend, who plays a part in this story. And that's when we made the relationship official. You asked if there were any red flags. There were a ton. Was hard to get a hold of. He would disappear for days at a time. <laughs> he was elusive. And when I would express those things to him, he was, yes, I will do better. I will be, you know, I will, like, he was very acquiescing all the time when I would bring up issues. And I kept bringing up the conversation after a year and a half in the relationship. He was dragging his feet in moving to California, which was an ongoing conversation. And at a certain point, I was like, I'm not waiting for you anymore. I'm actually, I want to move to Southern California. You know, I was like, I could move to Houston. I'm willing to move to Houston. And he was like, well, that would be a lot of pressure on me. Red flag. 
the first time it was, I've moved, I've moved a couple times for relationships in my life. And it was the first time I'd had a man who was very ambivalent about me moving to Houston. So that was a major red flag. Also the not disappearing for a few days, not being responsive. It was an ongoing issue in our relationship. Um, and, and just when I was about to end things with him, he would course correct in a major way. And he would say all the things that he knew I wanted to hear. That went on for a few years and I got to a certain point where I was like, I gave him an ultimatum. I was like, I'm not one to give ultimatums, but I'm out of this relationship. If at the end of, I think it was the end of 2017, I was like, if you don't, you know, and no, this was at the beginning of 2017. I was like, if you don't move out here by the end of the year, it's a wrap for me. Like I'm done. I'm moving on because I'm not doing this long distance thing anymore. And he said, of course he will. And he was starting to look for jobs and he was, he was a physician. He had failed his, his board. So he was, he was trying to study for those. He came out a couple of times to go to classes there. And then he got hit with a court case. He got indicted by the drug enforcement agency for basically illegally prescribing opioid prescriptive medications. And Sean, correct me if I'm off here, but was prescribing medications without medical cause or medical medical necessity. Um, and the DEA apparently had been tracking folks that he had hired for many years and he got wrapped up in this. And then I was like, oh, I can't get out of this. I can't leave him. Can't, I can't kick him while he's down. So I fe- then I started to feel trapped. And I will never forget, it was May 21st, 2018, when I learned about Sean. <laughs> and I will pause there. <laughs> The burning question I had while you were talking, Erica, was what made the red flags easy to ignore or push to the side? What were the things about him that made him so special? You know, I I felt like he was willing, and this was always what I said. I was like, I would not be with him if he wasn't willing to listen and try and change what he was doing to meet my needs, right? So he would never get defensive he was always willing to listen and he would always basically do enough to keep me in the relationship. And I think that I put way too much stock in. I actually enjoyed his family. His friends were shady as all get out. That was another red flag that I was like, hmm, his best friend seems to be a sadistic masochist and as, was also under indictment for certain things. And I didn't, I ignored that, but I appreciated some of the people in his life who welcomed me into the family. And I had a vision for what I wanted, right? I was like, I, you know, I had, I just had this vision and I was really intractably focused on that vision. And then it got to a certain point where I was like, I can't get out of this because I, you know, like he's deep in this thing. He needs support. And I had a little, I've always fought this savior complex that I tend to have. I'm very much aware of it. I'm, I'm much better at checking that now, but I think my savior complex checked in a little bit where I was like, if I just stand by him and I see him through this, he's going to give me what I want and he's going to be a better person. Who has that much control? Nobody. And I know better, but that was, that was the hook. Okay, Sean. Yes. So I was working as a registered nurse at the time at a hospital that uh, I was also working at. 
I had been working with him for about six or seven months and we would talk about patients related to work. But then it seemed that October of 2000, I guess it was 15, when Erica and him had made it official, that's when he had approached me to go to a happy hour. I was kind of taken back by that because he never gave me that vibe of that he was ever flirting or ever interested. So it was kind of out of nowhere. And so he's like, well, let's get a group together and let's just all go out. And so I thought it was pretty innocent, but thought maybe he was probably interested. And I heard he was single. We all went out that following weekend. And that's when he showed some interest. And after that, it just seemed very normal. We started dating And it seemed probably by, I think, November, December, it became official. And then, but he always had, the thing about him is that he always had his guard up. And that was kind of fishy to me and seemed kind of shady that he was emotionally not available, but available in every other way, available to take trips, available to hang out, but not emotionally available. And so when I would bring it up to him, he would blame it on his divorce with his ex-wife. I don't remember how many years they had been divorced already, but that he was scared to open up because of that. He was scared to let his wall down. So, I mean, I believed him. And so I thought, okay, I just need to give him time. It took about a year and then he eventually let his wall down. You know, I was with him majority of the time, four nights out of the week I was at his house. Um, His sister would also hang out with me his best friend's girlfriend uh, would also hang out with me and then also hang out with Erica when she would come into town. So a lot of people knew that this was going on, that he had two, two girlfriends. And so that was really the part, I think, that close friends that I would always see since I was living in Houston and I had a key to his house. I would see them pretty often and they were just so, they were so friendly to me, so welcoming yeah, it took about three years and, you know, he had a lot of red flags. Disappearing was also something that he did with me. He would tell me that he would go to a friend's house to fix the stereo system on a Saturday night, but then he would never answer any text messages or anything like that for the rest of the night, not until about maybe 1 a.m. And then all of a sudden he's at a bar and then he would, he would start a fight and then not talk to me. And then so that happened quite a bit. And then the next morning wouldn't answer any text messages till about 2 PM. So I figured when those kind of situations were happening, I think that's when Erica was in town. So I believe when we talked about it, Erica was coming in town every other month and then he was going to California, I think about every other month. So um, he would make up lies about where he was going out of town not going to California, but going to other places. So there was a lot of red flags because a lot of things didn't add up. But I made excuses for those red flags only because when I would talk to my friends about it, some of them would say, well, you don't have any proof. You have to give them the benefit of the doubt. And so my intuition was very strong and my gut feeling was very strong that something wasn't right. And so um, I was actually waiting for that day for it to happen. And I, and I had a feeling that it would, that I was going to, that physical proof would happen that he was doing something that he wasn't supposed to be doing. And so it happened, I think it was 2018, that January is when I found out that he lied to me about going to California. And that's when I found out. And then he, of course he made a lie about it, that he was going to clear his head because of the court case. And he didn't want to tell me because he didn't want me to worry 
and that he was just going to go hiking and, and to be by himself. And, and that's when he bought me uh, a puppy for lying. And so we were raising a dog together and fast forward to May. And that's when I found out it was his birthday weekend. I had thrown him a get together. His phone had gone off and I noticed that it wasn't ringing or vibrating, but it was going off with text messages, which was odd. And then I had walked over to pick up my bag next to him and it went off again. And that's when I saw Erica, Erica's name on the um, text message and it was her full name. And I knew friends and close family. So I knew I didn't know anybody named Erica. So I questioned him about it and he got very, very uncomfortable. I would say very awkward. He um, started to stutter and he was saying that, oh, it's just a, a family member. And I knew by his reaction that he was lying. So that night turned into a big event, a big fight because I kept asking questions. And of course he didn't like it. So he asked me to leave and I was, I had just gotten out of the shower. I was in a towel and he was telling me to get my stuff and get out because I wouldn't stop talking about it. And I was like, you're going to kick me out. And he was trying to kick me out in a towel. And I, and I really thought that was really odd because he had never shown that kind of side of him or ever treated me kind of that way. But so I calmed him down. And then that night, uh, everything was okay. But I went in the restroom and I looked up Erica and she popped up on LinkedIn. And I saw that she was in California. And that's when a light bulb went off. And I was like okay, he's going, this is the girl he's been seeing in California. And then I looked her up on Facebook and that's when I saw a picture of her with the best friend's girlfriend a couple years ago at the rodeo when me and him were still in a relationship. And so that kind of connected as well. And so I had reached out to the girlfriend and she denied it. She's like, oh, I don't, I don't, I don't really know much. I can't really say anything. And so I think that was the end of the conversation with her. And I, I wanted to let her know, I'm trying to remember exactly what I had told her, but I think I said, well, I'm moving in next month. I need to know if he's been cheating. Please let me know if you know anything. And then she reached out to Erica and kind of let her know what was going on. And then that's when everything changed the next day. So there were clearly people in his life friends and family who knew of both of you because you had both met his network. They were yes. all complicit and colluding. They both knew, like they knew he, he would kind of change us out, right? With, with the same people. I think the biggest betrayal was really coming from and his sister who, particularly his sister who would hang out with both of us. Right. And you know, knew what was going on and apparently said she tried to warn, she tried to talk to him about, hey, like, you shouldn't be doing this to women and that sort of thing. And then he would curse her out, but she never said anything, right? She would never, she never stepped in to actually stop it. And there was a whole group of people who just said nothing, who did nothing. And we, ha we were completely oblivious to one another. And that I think was the part that maybe even kept, because there were times when I was like, and I don't know if the same thing happened for you, Sean, but there were times where I was like, is he cheating when he's away? Like, but no, he couldn't be cheating because I know his sister wouldn't allow that. I know his mama wouldn't allow that. I know his friends wouldn't allow, like something would be up. And so maybe, you know, I think I put too much stock in that, you know, as well. Mm -hmm. 
He lied all the time. Every day he lied. Lied, 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 lied. So take me to the moment you both found out. Let's talk a little bit about that. Yeah, I guess I can pick it up from here and then I'll turn it back to you, Sean, because I think that like calls me and she like, I remember I was getting on a plane to go to the Bay Area. I had meetings with two really big funders that day. So, it, it also, I mean, I look back on it and it just feels so disrespectful because of the downplaying of the nature of the, the relationship that Sean had with and the downplaying that he made of the relationship that I had with him. But she was like, there's this woman who's this girl that I know from around, you know, just around circle who is saying she's she's been dating him for a really long time and she's going to move in with him next month. Um, and she's like, and I don't want to really have any part in it, but I, I thought I should tell you. And I was like, what? Like, mm. what? And as I immediately called, immediately, and he doesn't pick up the phone. And I know he doesn't pick up the phone because he just had the fight with Sean. So he knows something's going on. And I left him a message. I was like, you need to call me back immediately. He, and he doesn't call. I'm blowing him up, blowing him up. He finally calls me back. And I say, who's Sean? And he's like, uh, I was like, do you know Sean? And he was like, what is she saying? I think she's blowing, whatever she's saying, she's blowing it out of proportion. I'm sitting on the plane as I'm about to take off. And he says, well, nothing's happening. I was like, what's going on? And he's like, you want me to answer that question? Like he's stalling, like he can't think of anything. He's stuttering. He doesn't know how to respond to it, just like he did to Sean the night before. And I'm like, yeah, you better think about that. You better think about that and get very clear on who this person is and you let me know. And they, they made me turn my cell phone off. So I'm sitting on the plane on the way up there stewing and thinking about this. I call him back, blowing him up, blowing him up. He doesn't pick up the phone. I go into a funder meeting. I compartmentalize. I go into another room. Thank goodness. It was one of those days at my job where Everyone was off-site at like an HR training, so I was the only one there. Thank goodness, because I went, I, I go upstairs, I go into a conference room. I call, he, I, he finally picks up the phone. I call him back, and he was like, "Yeah." And how he made it sound was that he had had an affair with Sean because he needed someone who understood his stress in the medical field. She was a support to him. They had been together a couple of times, and that was it. So he's lying about the relationship, even knowing that he's caught and I'm going to find out. And even then I was like, I'm ending this relationship immediately. I said a whole bunch of things about how treat, you know, treating women and you know, how your mother would feel about that and all that sort of stuff. And I, it was done. Go into another funder meeting, handle that meeting, call my friend. She picks me up and I fall apart <laughs> in her car on my way to the airport. A couple of days later, maybe I was like, I want to end this with love. Let's end this with love because I was coming from a place of rage. Let's just end this in love. And I talked to his sister and she was like, and she was basically like, it was more than he made it sound. It was way more than that. She was like, he, she gave me more of the truth. And then I was like, I want to talk to her. You need to give me her information. I want to talk to her. And he was like, I don't think this has already been so painful and yada, yada, yada. I'm not giving you her contact information. What, what, what will that solve? Et cetera, et cetera. So I reached out to and I was like, I need, I need Sean's contact information. 
because I didn't know Sean's last name. I didn't know how to find her. And then, you know, she was like hemming and hawing, wouldn't give me the phone number, but did give me her Facebook handle. And that's when I sent her a message on Facebook. And that's, 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 and then, and then it all popped off from there. Sean, you want to add anything? Yeah, it was um, that morning. She sent me a message, I think it was like 7.30 a.m. I had just gotten my, my patient load at the hospital and my mind was already working on sending you a message through LinkedIn or somehow. And I was like, what am I going to say? I need to ask questions. And then uh, a message comes through through Messenger and it was her and my heart just dropped. And I was like, I was relieved, but I was also really scared about what I was about to hear. And so it was a long message and I don't remember exactly, but it was just saying that she was girlfriend and um, that she wanted to talk and get on the phone. And I think I called her immediately. I stepped away and I knew right away with that first conversation with Erica that she was being very honest about everything and, and that I was really grateful for that and that she was just very open about their relationship and willing to share as they say, receipts and pictures and proof just so we could, you know, exchange things and just to make sure that we were, we could figure out what, exactly what was going on. And that's what we did. And it was really hurtful, you know, to see them in pictures together. But then I think that kind of just went away. And I was just more grateful that I had somebody who was willing to share that and be honest with me. And so I think after that, it was the whole summer of us trying to, I guess, heal, because then we realized what destruction he had caused. Well, they should have known better. It's usually the woman's fault. Psychologist, nurse, doctor, everybody's educated. Everybody should have known better. You should have been smarter than this. Did you hear things like that from any of your friends' support network at all? Or did you hear it from yourself? That was my inner dialogue the entire time. And I mean, and I think Sean was super helpful in helping me to reframe that narrative and, and, and let go of that narrative because I'm a clinical psychologist. I thought I should have picked him out as a sociopath way. Like I was with, we were both with this man for three years. And so as a clinically trained psychologist, I should have known, like, this is the, this was the story I was saying. I was like, how did I not know? how was I so this or that, right? Like, and I was the biggest perpetrator of that self-flagellation around that area. Nobody else said that to me. Nobody else said that to me. I was the only one who said that to myself. And I think, I mean, from the beginning, there was such a tenderness and compassion in our relationship, Sean and I's relationship, that even from the first conversation, it helped to chip away at that narrative over time, right? I remember, I will never forget this because that is when I was like, this woman is a gem. This woman is a gem was when I remember we were, we were trading receipts and pictures and yeah, we're both in these like state of anger and grief and frustration. And she she said to me in a text when she's like, I'm so sorry. I don't, I'm tr- I don't want to hurt you with these. I just want you to believe me that I'm telling the truth. But I really, you know, like, she, she cared about my feelings in that moment as, as being paramount. 
as and I was also feeling the same thing. I was like, I do not want to hurt her because this is so hard. And we're in this going through in the same space. But to know that that was woven into every aspect of consideration during our conversations was it meant and that, I think that that was where we began laying the foundation for what we built over time. And that love that we built over time. Yes, I agree with that. Absolutely. Um, Yeah, I think for when I did therapy after during that summer of healing, my therapist just told me that um, my intuition and gut were, were right the entire time and that I need to learn to trust that. And I kind of beat myself about it as well, about why, why didn't I just leave once I felt like something wasn't wrong? Why did I put up with that? But um, yeah, I think, I think Erica, you took it a little bit harder because of your profession. And I think, yeah, it took some time uh, from both of us to kind of not live so much in the past of why didn't I, and why, you know, why didn't I leave? Why didn't I do better? Why didn't I, you know, but that summer was great for us to, when we came together and we started to heal and, and we can talk about uh, that process as well. Cause that was, I think a breakthrough for both of us. I did pause you, though, when you said, does everybody want to hear how we broke up with him? Yes, we do. (laughs) Sean, I want you to tell that part of the story because it's epic. (laughs) Okay. So I'm trying to remember. So it was midweek, and I believe, I think think Erica broke up with him midweek. Was it that you had already broken up with him? Yeah. And so she wanted to write a letter kind of just, you know, letting him know everything that we've heard. And so I was staying at his house. I had the keys. I knew he was going away that that following weekend. And so I didn't really want to confront him. To be honest, I had nothing to say. We had fought so many times that I was in talking and there was nothing else to to talk about. So we got a plan to uh, come up with this letter. Erica wrote it with her amazing writing skills. And I think it was like three pages long. I waited for him to leave. And while he was gone, I packed up all my stuff and I packed up everything that I had bought him left. And I went to a coffee, a coffee shop and I sent Erica the text that I was out. And that um, before I left, I did print her letter and place it on his mirror in his bathroom to make sure that he got it just in case, you know, because she was also going to send it by email. So um, I did leave it in his restroom. I think I also left it on his dining room table just to make sure that he knows that (laughs) to get it. You left a few copies in different places. (laughs) (laughs) So we left and went to the coffee shop. Erica got the text that she was good to go to send the email and she CC'd his sister and, um, and then we let the sister know that I think Erica texted her and said that Sean's out of the house. Um, she's left the puppy, take care of him for the weekend while gone. And then that was it. And it was, uh, it was a moment when that, when Erica told me the email was sent, cause I never talked to him again. I, I pretty much disappeared. I was pretty much that Erica blocked him as well. And, um, we, I've never heard from him again. I did see him once uh in a bar randomly a couple years ago and he waved at me which i thought was pretty pretty brave and that was pretty much it 
So let's start talking about the process of healing. First of all, I can't possibly imagine what I would do, how I would feel in this situation. The usual trope everywhere, reality TV, movies TV is usually the women wind up hating each other. They they blame each other and they become enemies fighting over this man. How on earth did the both of you find the aplomb, the compassion, all of the things about expressing an emotion. We are here talking about the emotion love. And one of the things about expressing emotions in a mature, intelligent fashion is that you express those emotions fully. You're realistic about the the emotion you're expressing. It's appropriate. You can be flexible. You adapt with your emotions. You're sensitive to other people's emotions. So that means that not only do you actually experience your own, but you realize that, oh, another person has feelings too. And you acknowledge them and you honor them. You two are textbook appropriate expressors of the emotion love in such a horrendous situation. You weren't dating for five minutes, 10 minutes casually. You were both making this what seemed like a commitment on both sides, taking these big steps with this person. How on earth do you wade through that pain and support one another and love one another? How? Mm. I mean, I think there's, I, I, I'll say this, Sean, and, and I'd love to hear what your take is on this. I think, well, first of all, what I discovered pretty early on was that the things that I thought I loved about were actually Sean. He would commandeer parts of our personalities and our interests and our values, and he would recreate those things with the other person. He had good taste. (laughs) He sure did. He sure did. That is absolutely on the money. Um, Yeah, and I I honestly think that he's an... Like, I think we possessed things that were actually devoid and deficient in him. And I think that that's one of the things that attracted him to us and maybe saw that as more of something he could exploit. Whereas we ended up using it as a strength, right? In our relationship with each other, including empathy, including real connection around who we are as spiritual beings. I mean, we're both very spiritual people. We're both we're open to understanding how to think about personal growth and pursue personal growth and well-being, and we supported each other in that aspect. So we made an agreement very early on, like, here's how we're going to support each other. And we also had to set rules around, like, we can't talk about this thing. Like, we're not ready to talk about that thing. Like, the fact that we can talk about the history of our relationship with him today, and I'm like... Like, there's nothing, but like, thank God I'm out of that. Like, you know, it took time for that actual, like the healing from the loss to occur, but we were texting every single day. We were sending each other like personal expression, like the, the simple wisdoms, you know, that you mm-hmm. send each other. Mm-hmm. Sean would send me passages of scripture and she would send me, you know, we would send songs to each other, inspirational songs. We would remind each other of how we, how amazing we are to each other every single day. That just continuously brought us closer and closer. And we realized how similar we were in that way. And, and, um, how much we admired each other. 
Um, and Sean, does, what, what would you add to that? Yeah, I agree with all of that. And I think the other thing is that knowing that Erica had no idea about me, I think also show, it gave me to where I had a lot of empathy for her. And so I had a lot of compassion and I, I feel bad for her that she was also going through that. And I feel like, of course, we talked to our friends about what was happening for advice. And, but I knew she knew exactly how I felt. And so I feel like we kind of gravitated towards each other even more so because of that, we supported each other. We didn't want each other to, you know, to fall again. And we were just trying to heal. Yeah. That summer, Erica did so much. I feel like for me, you know, she would just tell me a lot of supportive things like, you know, be gentle with yourself. And I've never had anybody actually tell me that before. And she was being authentic. I knew she was being you know, very honest. You could tell from the beginning that Erica was just being a very real and care, very real person, very caring and compassionate person. And I could sense that. And I just knew, I knew that, yes, he had, he was dating a great girl and that, you know, maybe it was, he was out of the picture, but maybe this could be something, a great friendship that we could build from it. So, yeah, I think, uh, I think it turned out pretty great. You know, that whole summer we, we did text a lot. It was, I think, almost every day uh, we would talk on the phone. I think it was about maybe once a week or so. Um, we were going to therapy. Both of us went to therapy. Erica actually referred my therapist to me, and she ended up being amazing. Um, I had so many breakthroughs with her, and um, we were sharing different things that we were learning at therapy. I healed because of Erica. I feel like I feel like that summer, my journey in healing wouldn't have been the same if she wasn't there. Definitely. Same. Same. Yeah. I get emotional when I think about it. I mean, it's like, I don't think I've like, Sean and I both go to like, we do retreats and we, we do a lot of personal work. And I was like, like I, I was chasing the breakthrough, chasing the breakthrough. Now I know what that is because I had one over that summer, like I became the best version of myself. It was like rising up from these really, these real depths of grief to really transform and tap into my highest self. And I feel like Sean was a steward of that process, a holder of that process, a mirror of that process for me. Um, and she loved me through all of it. And that's what made it possible for me to have um, in many ways, I believe. I mean, like that, I don't, it would not have been the same. My transformation during that time would not have looked what it looked like without her in my life. Do you have any regrets? Mm. <laughs> um, I would say my regret would be not listening to my intuition sooner. But I feel like, you know, also, I think. God has a plan and everything happens for a reason. And, you know, me and Erica have discussed this, that, you know, maybe I met and she met to bring us together to be friends. And maybe that was the whole purpose of this happening. Um, so, you know, would I change anything? Probably not when you really look back on it. I mean, I've learned so much and I've become so much stronger mentally emotionally, spiritually, and of course, my, my relationship with Erica, I mean, you can't, it's, it's so valuable that I would, I wouldn't change anything. 
Yeah. I mean, I feel like I think about the first time that I met you in person, Sean, I just didn't want to let go of you. Like, I was like, I just want to hug you. You're just my friend. Like, you're, you're never going to be able to get rid of me. Like, <laughs> you know, like, I just felt like there was a soul connection, like a, a very powerful soul connection. I felt like I was meeting a long, like a family member, you know, and with that moment and also just the transformation that I went through, I think I agree with Sean. I would have listened to my intuition more, but if I, if I had to go through all of that to get to the place where I got that summer and beyond and to meet Sean, I, yeah, like, I don't, I don't regret that. I don't regret that. I mean, I think we came out winning winning on top of all of that. I, you know, there karma, I'm a true believer in karma. I do. And I do believe that God brought Sean and I together through. He was, he was literally just the, the conduit for Mm -hmm. us to meet Mm -hmm. so that we could connect. And what about any hesitation or fear trepidation to enter into new relationships? Mm. Mm. It was a little rough at first. I would say that probably for a good year after that, there was a lot of trust issues, definitely during that healing time and just not trying to go into those old patterns of what I did for three years of questioning everything. And if he's not picking up his cell phone what is he really doing? So I think that happened. But now I think it's been about two and a half years. Now I've done, I even, I continue to do the work past that. A lot of self-work, a lot of self-love, and I've become a totally different person to where I don't do that. But I believe, yeah, the first year and a half, it was, it was a little rough. Yeah. You know, it's interesting when I look back to, I feel like I, I entered into a relationship with a partner who was literally like, the exact opposite of him, which has been a pattern for me in the past. And, and I, I do think that I needed to, to Sean's point, like he was just emotionally unavailable. He was not present. And so I, you know, and he, I wanted at the time someone who was, um, and I was drawn to someone who was really effusive, right? Very expressive, very, you know, both physically and verbally expressive. Um, and I realized uh, after that relationship ended that it was a reaction. And so I've constant. I mean, I've constantly had to be aware of that and like, you know, do my work. Like what's my stuff to do? Stuff comes up. I mean, I have a relationship now. I've been in a relationship for about a year and some few months and stuff comes up, right? Stuff comes up um, and I have to check it. I have to do the work and I have to really be mindful of like how much of this is old stuff and old healing, but it's not nearly what it could be, right? Like, and I do, I I really do think that that's a lot of it has to do with this intensive grieving healing process that I went through with Sean. Hmm. Wow. Is there anything we left out? Any bits of wisdom? Hmm. Some wisdom would be um, knowing your self-worth. I feel like I really lost myself, lost who I was, my personality changed, and I really lost, you know, I didn't, what my worth was and what, I, you know, you put, you tolerate what you will take in and it's just um, things like that. I think the, word, word, the wisdom of that would probably just be um, 
you know, be careful what you will tolerate because they'll keep happening. Mm. Yeah. I think too, like, you know, just to show what Sean said before, like a woman's intuition is, in, is, is one source, one of many sources of her power in this world. Uh, you know, I, I think I'm constantly reminding myself of that or constantly reminded when I don't listen to my intuition that we really do need to follow it. I also would say that never give the, your power away and let somebody t- take your joy. Find your way back to yourself, whatever that takes. And I, I always believe that, you know, this sounds very new agey, but like I do believe the universe is always working to our good when we are trying to take care of ourselves. So I do believe like when the universe said, Sean is there for you, you need to access her and build with her, that doing that helped me to get through it. Um, and so look around and pay attention to where your blessings are and lean into those blessings and those learnings that can come from the, these kinds of experiences. And I definitely heard in both of your stories that you shared that it was very important. It was an important realization and an opportunity for you both to commit further to doing the personal work. You know, not everybody's willing to do that. To you know, Therapy is still such a taboo in our society, unfortunately. But I, I just say, I'm, I'm just saying with a lot of respect that I admire the fact that you did that. I did that. You know, you, you have to come to a point, sometimes it seems like, where you almost have to break and then decide, well, it's really time to pick up that mirror and really take a good look. That's right. Absolutely. Mm-hmm. Any questions for me? have a question for you, Nadine. I mean, you've worked a lot with professional women and you, you spoke to this earlier, you know, what, what's so unique about our story is that we leaned into each other. We did not reject blame and move away. What do you think for women is one of the biggest barriers to coming together? And what are some of the biggest facilitators of coming together to build Sisterhood is such a powerful thing, right? When you have it. So what are the things you think you see get in the way and what can help build it? That's a really good question. Of course, Erica. (laughs) (laughs) Hard question. That's what I get. (laughs) Sorry. I have thought about this though. I have, I have, because I've had really good relationships with women in my life and not so great relationships with women in my life. And I think the things that have gotten in the way our sense of competition, ego, power dynamics, uh, status. You know, if, if those things are part of the way you need to build yourself, I need to build myself with this armor of having more power, having more status, uh, competing for uh, being in a hierarchy and making sure that you're always reminded, especially as a black woman, let's make sure you remember why you're here and who you are, okay? Let's not get that twisted with subtle messaging. Fear, that fear of being vulnerable because we're innately seen as weaker, the weaker sex, okay? It's in our language. It's, it's in the fabric of our society, how we talk. You know, if you want to emasculate a man, you use feminine adjectives to put him down in his place. And so we are looked at as being too emotional, too weak. 
And so to really, I think what can help that conversation is to turn those things into strengths, to take back that narrative. As you have both really been saying during the conversation, that willingness to be courageous, to be brave, to really show your emotions, to express them, and not to see them as a as something to suppress, as something as a sign of weakness, or like you're going to lose a game, like it's a win-lose situation. I think if you're willing to put those things aside and be open and vulnerable, then you get what I see here, this beautiful friendship that would not have happened otherwise. Thank you. Truth. My last question I ask every guest is, and before I do that, thank you, thank you, thank you so very much to both of you for being on my show. It means so very much to me. What is your personal definition of what it means to be healthy? I'll go first. Um, for me, I would feel like, or I feel like to be healthy is having your mind, your heart, and your body to have alignment. And I, that's what I strive for every day, you know, making sure that I'm grateful for the life that I have and everything that's been given to me. So I want to make sure that my heart and that gratefulness also is in my thoughts. So sometimes when I get negative thoughts, I try to make sure that I'm feeding myself something good every day, telling myself that I'm enough, telling myself I'm significant, that I'm valuable in trying to not, I guess, feed myself anything negative. So that's the heart, the mind, and then uh, physical exercise. I work out quite a bit. So I feel like um, we know that intense workout changes the biochemistry of your body and your mind. So just kind of striving for all of that to kind of have alignment. So having that beautiful state, as Tony Robbins uh, says, that summer I really got into his YouTube videos about being in a beautiful state and always maintaining that no matter what hurdles are thrown at you in life and just kind of maintaining that alignment. See, this is why we friends, Sean, because I was going to say the exact same thing. I was going to say balance of mind, body, and spirit. <laughs> I, was like, I was like, we are synced. We're synced. I mean, seriously, like I was like, man, that's exactly what I was going to say. That's exactly what I'm thinking. So I won't, I won't because you said it way better than I would have or could have said it. I think the one thing I will add to that is learning that joy is in the present moment, right? And being able to be mm. present for every moment and also remembering that we are not our thoughts. That to me is emotional health, <laughs> right? Um, and that's connected to, to, to everything else. But I think learning how to just appreciate being here right now, all is okay. That was one thing I know that, you know, Sean and I constantly, constantly, it was like a mantra, an ongoing moment we're like, we're here. We're okay. Everything, you know, like we're going to be okay. And to me, that's a constant and, and, and then allowing that in that space for gratitude, like Sean said. I am Thank so grateful. So Thank you. Thank, Thank you. you, Nadine, for giving us a platform to just come together and express our sisterhood and connect around that. And now it's time for the Mindful Minute. Erica wrote a beautiful piece about the experience you just heard in the show. You'll find that piece 
in this episode's show notes. I want to leave you with some food for thought. Towards the end, Erica writes, There's an African proverb that states, If you want to go fast, go alone. If you want to go far, go together. If you liked this episode, please share it with a friend. And are you interested in starting or maintaining a yoga practice at home? I teach yoga to wise women. I believe in empowering and educating wise women to thrive on their terms at every stage of life. Let's hear what a wise woman has to say. We focus on balance. I don't think I'm going to trip and fall, but should I trip and fall? Guess what? I know exactly how to get up. They're not, they're just not a lot of instructors out there like you at all. To learn more, connect with me at yogimd.net. And finally, podcast theme music is by my niece, Maya Bishop, on vocals, my daughter, Lizzie Kelly, on guitar and bass, yours truly on percussion, and produced by Tim Buer. Thanks for being here. See you next time.